that didn't mean what set the pattern for that part of it. Because it just sprung, you know, just stood out, just jumped off page at me. I didn't have any problem understanding it. Well, a 14 year old boy understands it, or anybody or <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I realize now, too, I didn't realize it hard as much time, but the Lord's got to lead you in things like that, too. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome in for another episode of My Grace Life Story. My name is Matt Fowler. I'm the Senior Associate Pastor at Grace Life Church, and Tim Martin is here helping me with all of the media aspects of our podcast today. And today on our podcast, we have Kenneth Myhan, who is with us today, and he's going to share us a little bit about his Grace Life Story. Kenneth, you doing okay today? Yeah, doing Good, good. Kenneth, if you would, just share with us a little bit about yourself, all right? Where are you from? What, I know you're retired at this point, but just a little bit about how you grew up, things of that sort, and then we'll get into more of how the Lord's worked in your life through the years, all right? All right. I'm from this area. I'm up around Leeton, okay. Alabama. And um, I was raised on a farm, and my daddy bought some land down here in Muscle Shoals when I was six years old. And how old are you now? Kenneth? I'm 83. 83, so 83 years old. Just wanted to give everybody a little context yeah. there. All right, go ahead. So I went to my shows. Well, it was uh, county school then. It was okay. all on grave. Yeah, wow. I went to first grade there. Okay. And he was raising vegetables and selling stores, supermarkets, truck farming. And uh, during that year, he was called to preach. So he sold his land. And he went off to school. Okay. Now, where, where did he go to school? He went, first year, he went to uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Okay. Wow. So a long way away then. Yeah. He yeah. was hunting a conservative school and all right. that. Now, did you guys go with him to Moody, or did he just go up there on his own? And he went up there here? on his own to start okay. with, and right. we went up there later on when he got a place for a stay for a while. Okay. And my mother, just kind of a real nervous woman. And Chicago just tore her up. Well, I was going to say, how big a difference was that to go from Muscle Shoals and your farming into Chicago and Moody Bible Institute? That was big. <laughs> I bet. Now, did you have siblings at this point in time? No. No, so you're own child. So. I've never had a, any siblings. Okay. I'm, All right. Child. Okay. Good. All right. And uh, anyway, after she got tore up over that, he come on back, started to uh, Chattanooga. At Lee Robinson School. Yeah, I think it's Lee, just Lee University now, right? Maybe? Well, it may be. Okay. At that time, it was Tennessee Temple. Okay, all yeah. right. So we started up there. But we were staying with my granddaddy until we could get a room. Up. He could get us a place to stay up there. So we were going to Highland Park Church. Okay. My uncle would come by and pick us up. Yeah. And take us to Highland Park Church. I was one of the, my dad and his family was charter members there because the church had split and they was started back a new church, you know. We was going down where the old dance hall was down there at the right. boat. And we were living there with my granddaddy and I just heard the preacher preaching every Sunday. And for 
short time there. I was just holding on to the bench. I was seven years old. Right, yeah. So we got in church one Sunday night, and I asked my mother, I said, how are you saved, you know? Mm-hmm. She said, well, believe in Christ and accept Him, you know, as your Savior. And it just, big burden just went away, left me, you know, wow. like this. And so this was at seven years old, seven right? Seven years old. And so your dad's still doing school. still in school. And you guys are living here, going right. to Highland Park, and... So, so talk to me a little bit about when, when you say, all right, I'm holding on to the bench there. I mean, what, what was going through your mind? What was the Lord doing in your life during that he season was, to maybe bring conviction of sin? I and, knew I was lost, and I knew I had to do something about it sometime or another. And at night, it would bother me. I was afraid to go to sleep. I'm afraid I wouldn't wake up or the Lord would come back or something, you know. So after that night, when I went in and asked her, and it just immediately, just like a load left me, you know. So Sunday, when the invitation was given, I just started down the aisle. Seemed like I took the first step, and then I was all something just taking me on. So, so, so it seems like the Lord, the Lord had already been working in your life, even just yeah, in that yeah. conversation with your mom. Probably your well, conversion maybe had taken place then, right? As far maybe, as the Lord forgiving right you, then. you feel like your sins were forgiven. My daddy had talked to me long, but he never pushed me. I mean, he just. He talked to me, and he said, "I'd just like you to be thinking about this." You know? Mm-hmm. And I was five, six years old. So anyway, we went on from there, and he got his place to stay, and so we went to Chattanooga, and I was, went to church up there at Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga for okay. about three years off and on. And we come home in the summer, and we'd go to church down here in the summer. And he had a tent rented a tent and had a tent revival around different places, five, six places around here during the summer. Okay, so he would do some itinerant preaching when you guys would come home. Yeah. All right. right. And uh, then after he got out, we went to Hatton in Lawrence County, the first church, Oklahoma Baptist Church in Hatton. It's the first church he pastored. Okay, yeah. And he never did get any, you know, large churches could really pay him to, Full time, so he worked as a pipe fitter on the side. So he did. He was a preacher and a pipe fitter pipe at fitter. the same time, right? Yeah. Wow. And then after he left Hatton, we moved down here and just bought a house in my show. We lived here, went to Highland Park, unless he was preaching somewhere. And right. when he got a place to preach, we he'd go there, you know, or we'd right. go there. Yeah. So did he ever, did he have any long stints of pastoring churches, or were most of them more shorter, just shorter preaching for most a, of them. Okay, all right. Now, his last church was out there where we live. It was Hatton. Okay. And uh, out there where we live, you know, on 2nd Street. Yes, sir. And he preached out there 11 years, last, all right. last yeah. pastor. Yeah, so that, that was he a long-term pastor. had some heart problems, so he got where he just couldn't hold out to preach. He just too short breath and all. So what was that like growing up with your dad as a pastor? I mean, were, were, were there a lot of conversations in your home, obviously, about church life and about what yeah, he was preaching? Just, how, how did that play out in you guys' family? All, you know, a good bit. All right. The time. Just, and we talked. Growing away, when, when I was, was living down here and he was pastoring church down here, there was a pastor coming in by the name of uh, Ralph Bonner. I'd never heard of him and never seen him. I don't really know where he's from now because I was 14 years old, so I wasn't up to date on everything. But right. 
He had a tent held in uh, railway in Sheffield. Right after you cross on 2nd Street, cross railroad tracks, he turned back going towards Florence. He's right past the last house in that, on that street down on the right, just before you get to the business section down in there. Mm-hmm. And he was, his preaching was just a lot like Brother Jeff's you know, predestination and all, you know. And, and Yeah, now you and I have talked a little bit about this part of, yeah. of the Lord's work in your life. And yeah. so, yeah, just uh, it, it, go into a little bit more detail, because I, I remember you telling me that that was really, I well, think, it, think you said that was kind of the first time you heard about the doctrines of grace. It was. And so, so tell me, how, how did that hit you? I mean, was that something new? Well, did you receive it quickly? Jumped out at me. First night was there because he, I mean, he gives scripture and I was following him in the Bible and it just, I mean, it was there. You couldn't get around it. I said, Well, I hadn't heard this before, you know, the question <laughs> I had. Yeah. Of course, when I got to talking to my dad about it, he believed in it too. Now, did, had your dad gone to some of these meetings with you or were you just by yourself when no, you were attending these? No, it was, it was our family. Okay, okay. Him, me, and my mother, you know. Right. But all the churches around here was going to kind of back him. And they did the first night. Uh, Kent was pretty full. Mm-hmm. Second night is probably half full. Because Wednesday night, it wasn't many people there, but, you know, I said, well, you know, Wednesday night services to other churches, they're going to their own church. Sure. Didn't think too much about it, but went back Thursday night and just very few there. Right. Friday night, same thing. And as I had a conversation with my daddy then, I said, what's going on? I said, why did the churches quit? Backing him, you know. He said they don't want to believe what he's preaching. Wow. And I said, why? He said, well, he said probably the truth of it is people just don't want to accept that they don't have anything to do mm-hmm. with being saved, that the Lord saves them. Yeah, he's yeah. got to draw them to him, and they just want to feel like they're Entering into it on their own, you right. know, and making that decision on their right. own. Right. Wow. And he didn't, he preached it times, but people were getting mad at him. He even probably lost church to on account of it. But wow. So yeah. that so that was your first introduction to those doctrines, right. though. Had you and your dad, I, had y'all ever had a conversation, maybe just in passing about Not those about doctrines? That, no. Okay. We had, All right. Gotcha. We had several after that. Right, yeah. Have... So what were some of those conversations with your dad like about the doctrines of grace? I mean, obviously you said he believed them. Oh, yeah. And when, the, when this preacher preached them, you said, well, hey, it's right there in God's Word. Right. I, I believe those too. So so what were your conversations with your dad like about those doctrines? Well, I just, I, I asked him several times over the years. I said, you know, am I believing the truth or is I'm the only one around here that believes that or what? <laughs> he uh-huh. said, No. He said, people just don't believe it. He said, you're right right on what you believe in. Yeah. And we'd have discussions about it, you know, and all different things like that. But we left my shows and moved on out on 2nd Street. Mm -hmm. He bought 50 acres of land, started kind of farming out there. While I was a teenager, I was probably 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So we was working together out in the field a whole lot, just off and on, in between his preaching his pipe better jobs and things, you know. We talked, had quite a bit of discussion about different things like that. Now, that 50 acres, is that where you currently live? Is that that no. 50 acres part of it, or that your land now is different? My land now is different. Okay. I'm, I'm about two miles, two or two and a half miles further up 
Okay. Because they're east on Second Street. All right. On okay. the opposite side of the road, what I was. Then. Okay. All right. Because I, I, uh, when I bought that land, I got married first, and I was went forward and went to work. I'd worked at Robbins a while, mm-hmm. got laid off some. So forward coming in, I got on over and worked short time, got laid off, and didn't have a job at all. And I got married while I was before I was just I started working it forward. And uh, I need something to do, so I just started raising vegetables and things, selling them stores and supermarkets and all. And Ford called me back, but they called me on day shift. And I asked him, I said, is there any way I can come in on second or third? I said, I'll get bumped off of it anyway just as soon as I get in there because my seniority won't let me stay there, you know. And the personnel man said, if you don't want it, so there's plenty of people other people do. I said, well, <laughs> go ahead and let some of them have it then. I'll right. stay what I'm doing. When I, was, I had a little route started, and people were depending on me, you know, and right, I didn't want sure. to give that up. And to go back to forward, I could have done that and worked it forward, too, for a while, like see what, how things going to work out. So that's the reason I give it up. Mm-hmm. I really should have gone on back, I guess, but for the money-wise. But that caused me to want to buy some land, you know, on my own for fun. Sure. So I was looking, and when I was a boy, I'd been riding up and down that road at times, see that place up there and all the pine trees, and I thought it was one of the prettiest places up through there. It wasn't any houses. Well, two old tenant houses that mm-hmm. need some work done on was up there, but I was thinking about it as a home place, you know, to live right. on. How pretty it was, didn't have any idea I'd ever have a chance at it. So later on, there was, I was talking to one of the other people who lived down close to his neighbors that was a farmer. He said, you looking for land? I said, yeah, I'd like to have some. I'd like to have some close, but about all i found so far is over in Lockdale County. It's halfway what I can afford, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, if you look at that place up there, and it, told me where it was at, and I said, no. I said, I like that place because I was wishing I had a chance to buy it sometime. He said, it's for sale. I said, well, I didn't see any for sale signs. He said, well, there's a bunch of blackberries where you turn in right where my driveway is now. Bushing, he says, there's old sign over it and faded out and told me mm-hmm. who owned it. So I got in touch with me and owned it. He said, yeah, I had that for sale. He said, it didn't seem like anybody was interested in it, so I just hadn't. He'd run out there and plant crops on it and leave it alone. He'd grow up, but he'd go back and harvest what he could of it. And that's the reason he was kind of wanting to sell it. He was renting land up closer to his company and working it. He raised his family on the farm, sent all mm-hmm. the kids to college and everything, so he was a good worker and all, you know. And he said, I'll sell it to you. So we got together on price and went down to the lawyer and had paper drawn up give me time to try to get a loan on it. And it looked like time was about to run out on it. Time was, money wasn't being lent out that much right then. Yeah, now what year was this? That was 1960. Okay. So finally, I got a loan on it just a week or two before the end of my time run out. And there was other people that then found out for sale and they was trying to buy it too. So you had you had to hurry in order to get it, right? Yeah. Somebody was going to swoop in there and get it in front of you. Yeah, I had to hurry, you know. <laughs> but it was individual. 
in Tuscumbia loaned me the money. And I talked to him one day, and he said, you know, I, I'm going to have to tell you no today. When I got to the door and started to leave, he said, I'll tell you no today and maybe call you tomorrow. He's like, I can't tell you yes today and call you tomorrow and tell you no. And he was a real honest man now, you know. Right. So next day he called me and told me he was going to let me have it. There you go. And so how, how old were you? So that's 1960. How old were you at that point? 21 years old. 21. All right. So at that point, are you still going to Highland Park for church-wise? And, and of course, you're married at that point, and you're saying you do some farming. No, but... I was going to uh, Natchez City. Okay. So my more dad, out that, more out that is, way, well, I guess, my right? My dad pastured Natchez City. Okay. All right. And I was right. going down there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So let, let's fast forward a little bit. What? When did you get to, to Grace Life Church of the Shoals? See, it's been about 20, right at 20 years now. So 20-ish years ago yeah. or so. So, All right, so, so how did you get here? How did you get to Grace Life? Obviously, you grew up. Your dad's a pastor. It's my tenor at preaching. Spent some time uh, in Highland Park, some time in his churches. My and, wife was going to Leeton, and when we were dating, we'd go one night, night city, and then the next night we'd go, on the next Sunday night, we'd go to Leeton. Okay. And she'd go her church on Sunday morning, I'd go to my church, you know. So she lived, in, they was living in Leighton's where right. they lived. And so we got started going there and we rented a house out there. Mm-hmm. Little house, small house. And that's the reason we got started going to Leighton. That was okay. the closest church to us at that right. time. So I went to Leighton for 40 years. Okay. Before I come here. And I was working in uh, Chrysler because I worked at Ford. Mm-hmm. Right. Nineteen and a half years. Before, I mean, Chrysler closed down, and I put in shop mode. Worked done some machine work around here, mm-hmm. and then the U.S. diecast come out. So I went out there to see if they was gonna let any work out that I might bid on, you know, to get some work in the shop because this was back when the interest rates was twenty one percent. Wow. On Time was pretty hard, and it yeah. was me Gosh, just starting out. It was hard to get work anywhere. And the, the ones that was letting work out, letting people that they'd been working with, and you know, I couldn't blame them for that, but I was needing work for the shop. So, U.S. Diecast come in, and I went out there to see, get work, and uh, run into an engineer that worked with Ford. He was working for TVA then, but he was helping U.S. Diecast get started up. He said, where you been? I said, well, I've been right around here. I said, I got a little <laughs> shop in my own. I said, he said, what are you doing out here? I said, I'm trying to get some work. I said, you going to let him work out, or you going to do it all in shop? He said, well, you know, we got the big tool room because you worked in there for a long time. And I said, yeah. He said, I want to do all the work in the shop. Mm-hmm. And we're planning on doing it all. But he said, I've been hunting you and wondering how I can get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. He said, I want you to come out here and go to work for us and open that shop up and get the machinery ready to run, open it up and start hiring people. I said, Gene, I said, I've never been a supervisor. <laughs> uh. And he said, well, he come down there for a little while as supervisor himself because they was making more money than the engineers was. They was getting overtime. He wanted to make more money, so he talked to me and letting him be a supervisor down there. He would come to me and ask me questions, and I'd tell him, 
he asked other people questions kind of alone. They'd, some of them wouldn't tell him the truth about things. Right. Depend on me, tell him the truth. And, uh, I just couldn't couldn't tell somebody a lie yeah, about something. So he he said, I know enough about you to know that you got the knowledge to run it. And he said, would you go up there and talk to plant manager with me for a few minutes? I said, well, yeah, I'll go up there. I said, I was, you know, something don't work out there. Maybe I'd get a little work along or something. I went up there, and I left there working U.S. Dakis. So it worked out good. So I worked there a year, and it, they just wasn't trying to run the place. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get the money that the local governments had put up for them to run it on, and they right. were doing different things with it. So after working there about a year, I just walked in and quit. And I went in a little dye shop over in Florence, worked a couple of months to like to try to find something else. And I had gone when they uh, took off a week vacation, the last week I took it that year, between Christmas and New Year's, which is a bad time to hunt a job. Mm-hmm. But I went on to Huntsville and put in some applications, things up there, a few places. Come on back, walked in and quit. And uh, went on that dye shop, went to work, and worked about two months. Chrysler called me. So I went to Chrysler up there, and they called me when I walked in, told them what I was up there for the guard, at the guard shack. They said, so we'll call the supervisor that's over the two room down here. He'll talk to you about the job. So he come on down. He said, come on up to my office. He said, we'll talk 10 or 15 minutes, and I'll take you across the road and show you a shop. He said, I can fool you for 30 minutes, and you fool me for 30 minutes. Said, I'm going to hire you. He said, I've heard enough about you that I'm going to hire you. He said, I'm going to hire two more people. I'm going to hire one next week, and then the week after next. So you'll have seniority on them. So that'll help you a little bit. So that's all my hiring in up there to do. He said, all you got to do now is pass physical. Mm-hmm. So I want you back up here tomorrow for physical. If you pass it, I want you up here Monday morning to go to work. So it was just too easy. Right. You know, yeah. some Lord had to be working in it. So, so you know, during this time, what, what was your walk with the Lord like? I mean, you know, how was the Lord using all these things to grow you and well, to disciple you? Give, give me some input on that. During the time I was going to Leighton, I was active in church. I was elected uh, deacon real early. Okay. Probably too early. <laughs> but I was 22 or 3 years old then. Right. I just, well, I was past 22 because we moved out there where I am now in 20, when I was 22. And we were living out there already. We built a house and lived out there. We're still going to church in Leeton. Okay. And uh, I was active in there. I was elected deacon and I was in, you know, in building committees and head right. of some building committees. Right. Yep. So I was busy in church. Yeah. And, and but when I started to work up there at Chrysler, and after I'd been there a while, work started piling in on us. We were getting more work done in two room and what had been done. Mm-hmm. It had been more of a kind of repair shop. But we 
they had found out the engineers and all that we could do the work right there and do it cheaper than they could send it out. So I got to work in two regular. And I was working 10, 12 hours a day a lot of times and six hour, uh, six and seven days a week. And you got where at the end, I was working up there almost seven days a week. If the plant was open, I was there. The door was open, I was supposed to be there. So that obviously was cutting into it was cutting your attendance into, at church. And yeah. And so, it, so, so did, it just felt like I was getting away from the Lord too much. Right. I mean, I just... Yeah. I was that something that the Lord gradually convicted you about and said, okay... Well, he was working on me during that time. Right. I mean, he was... But he... Uh, I was going to church on Sunday night when I could, you know. Mm-hmm. But when... Working long hours sometimes, I couldn't even go on Sunday night because it was right. two hours driving time, an hour to Huntsville, an hour back, plus the time you work. So they offered me a retirement at 62. Okay. So I got thinking about it, and I said, yeah, I'm getting you know, tired of all this working long hours and can't go to church and everything else. And I, said, I just, I want to go, I want to just kind of get out of here. So I said, well, I think I'll just take it. Yeah. And so it wasn't too long after that, then, that I guess you ended up here at Grace Life, right? When I quit up there, I, I was needing to make a change. Okay. I just felt like the Lord leading me to yep. make a change. I wasn't mad at nobody. Sure. So did somebody invite you to come and visit here? Did you just, I mean, obviously you grew up in this area, well, so you knew of this church. Missy or? had started church down here. Okay. All right. And, and tell everybody who Missy is. Uh, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. Okay. Oldest daughter. And... Uh, so I, I was just in talking to him at home, you know. I said, I feel like I just need to make a change, you know. Right. I'm not mad at anybody leading, but I'm just not getting fed the way I want to out there. And I would, I was on pulpit committees getting pastors out there, and I would kind of question them about, you know, the different things. And some of them would even talk like they believed like I did until they get there, but they wouldn't preach. Yeah. I never hear it preached. And you now we had a one moved in, Steve Taylor. He went on Africa to be a missionary. He left us and went to Central Baptist Church a couple of years. And then he went to Zimbabwe as a missionary. Okay. He believed it. So so you come here, Missy's coming to church here. How different was it to come into Grace Life, or was, did it feel like well, we were First Baptist, I guess, back then? Was it yeah, was that a big Baptist. change, or, or not really? Did you know some folks other than Missy that were coming here? Some, yeah, I knew some people here. Uh, okay. But um, I was hunting, you know, had visited several churches. The largest churches that I visited just seemed like it's kind of cold when it just they wasn't really interested in you coming in that much or something. So they wasn't friendly or anything. And Missy said, well, come on, go with me down here. So I started down here really before I retired, but I was just visiting. And uh, we drove up to it and saw the church and everything, because I'd seen it because I lived just right out there. Sure. Seen it passing now. I was allowed to visit, but I said, I don't think I can join that church. I said, it's just too big. And uh, then when I got retired and started and come to a small group, you know, people just real friendly and everything when I walked in the door. It just yeah. real friendly attitude. You know, do you know who that first small group leader was in that class? Do yeah, you it was um, Lloyd Rogers. Lloyd Rogers, yeah. Lloyd Rogers. Okay, all right, gotcha. 
Yeah. And, uh, but you know some folks in that class, yeah, right? And I, so that obviously made you feel a bit, yeah. bit more welcome. So, and, what, uh, and obviously, you know, you believe the doctrines of grace. So I, I'm assuming, yeah. you know, as you hear Brother Jeff preach, that probably well, resonated with your heart, right? That's what done it. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about that. I hadn't made up my mind to join until... He started, you know, listening to his preaching. Um, right. And you, well, you hadn't started preaching really at right. that time right. that much. But other preachers coming in, you know, sure. preaching it too. So I knew that he was responsible right. for bringing him in here. So he really believed it and wanted it taught in here by other preachers too. So I said, you know, that's, that's what I've been looking for. Yeah. Amen. So that's been 20 or so years ago. So talk to me a little bit, a bit just about how the Lord. In the 20 or so years that you've been here at Grace Life, how, how has the Lord grown you in your walk with Him? What impact have things like like small groups and the preaching of God's Word, what kind of impact have well, those had in your life? Small groups, there's a difference. Just having a Sunday school lesson, you just got a book you just go through, right. you know. Sunday night, not having train union, I liked that. I never did like train union lessons because it was just, some of I would get up there and somebody read a part and somebody else read a part. <laughs> uh, and I can just see that things was different here and didn't even worry about training. And you were worried more about your services and preaching God's Word than anything right. else. And that's what I was looking for. I, yeah. But up to then, I, and that's when I had visited more of the bigger churches around. And I just... Didn't hear that preaching, you know, that one yeah. here. Yeah, right. So that just sold me out on the church itself. And I said, well, you know, no, it's a bigger church, and I won't. I used churches like 150, 200, something in that neighborhood. But I, I can't leave. I yeah. just got to stay. So then I joined, and Daddy had started down here about that time. Okay. He was. After he retired preaching, left out in Hatton, he said he wanted to just get on out of the way where we wouldn't be in another preacher's way and all. Sure. So your dad ended up attending here some as well? He joined church here. Oh, so, so he was a member here. Yeah. So I, I don't guess I know your dad. What was your dad's name? Walker Mahan okay, was his Walker name. Mahan, so. A lot of people called, that knew him, we all called him Buck. Okay. His brother... Just older than him, 17 months older than him. Couldn't say his name, so he called it, started calling him Buck. Yeah, there so you go. <laughs> always through school, and a lot of people yeah. knew him, you know. So, so did you say he was actually here before you were, or he came after you? I was coming here. Okay. I never had Joan, but I was coming here. Okay. And he uh, started coming here, too. Okay, all right. And I think we joined just about the same about time. About the same time. Because we was in, this when you just had a Sunday night. Was our new members okay. class, you right. know. Mm-hmm. We were both in that together. And okay. And so I told him, I said, Daddy, I said, you'll hear the preaching. You want to hear down there. And I, yeah. he said, well, I, he's the one that advised my daughter if she was going to change churches to come here. He'd heard Brother Jeff preach on radio and all. So he advised her. He said, if I was going anywhere, I, that's where I would go, I guess. Amen. So that's the reason she started down here. Yeah. So obviously you were looking for strong preaching. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, give, give me a sense of, I, I mean, are there any sermons that, that you remember from Brother Jeff? I, I know I'm asking you to remember something over 20 or something, 20 or so years here, but any particular sermons that, that have stood out to you through the years that you thought, man, you know, that, that made a big impact on my life or a particular book that Brother Jeff preached through just, that really made an impact when on When he got into that and really explained predestination or election, you know. Yeah. And then I, other preachers coming in too and preaching in right. and not too long after I started coming is when the true church conference started. Okay. And I got in and helped out in that and I had a stroke about a year after I started coming here. I was right. Started taking up open probably within a month after I joined. Mm-hmm. They asked me to help them with that. But after I had a stroke I couldn't walk all that good and I couldn't move my left arm at all for a while. Mm-hmm. It had had to work into that, you know. So I had to give up taking up offer now. Right. So what have you done with the True Church Conference? Tell us a little bit about how you volunteered and helped out. I know you've probably done a few different things, but what's that Well, I helped set up, you know, a good bit. Okay. Tear down and clean up and all. First year, I was out in the parking lot just trying to help people park. Okay. And then the second year, from the second year on, I've just been a greeter. Yeah, Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. There's an army, an army of greeters yeah. every year at the True yeah. Church Conference. So, uh, in some of your former churches, obviously they were, they were a bit smaller, so probably would have looked different. But, um, you know, how, how much experience did you have with missions, with missionaries? Obviously, True Church Conference is a time where we bring all our missionaries Not and church lot. planners. And so, so we, you know, tell me, how, how has the Lord used that to maybe broaden how you view missions there as you've been here over the last 20 years, so you've had a lot of interaction yeah. with, with missions and with the True Church Conference. So yeah, I was familiar with that just from a young boy because I didn't understand right. things then, seven, eight years old, when we was in Chattanooga. Because mm-hmm. Dr. Lee Robinson was pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church. Okay. And they worked, operated a whole lot like this church here. Okay. They had their own missionaries they sent out. They give to Southern Baptist Convention some, but not that wasn't their main thrust, right. you know, in sure. missions. And they had uh, about 75 mission churches connected with a school. They would uh, pay a price uh, the preachers that went cover those missions. And we drove 75 miles from Chattanooga every Sunday down to Larkinsville. Outside Scottsboro mm-hmm. to a church, and did he preach while, while we were going to church up there a good bit? And one other place over in Tennessee, I forget exactly where it was. So I was familiar with that type, you know, the church doing mission work out and all that. Uh, so I, that felt kind of in line. And I'd always felt like Dr. Robinson's church was pretty biblical and everything. Sure. You know? So I was interested in mission work and all that, yeah. and, and back in missionaries, and yeah. I had heard some good missionaries come in speaking in different places. So, so, so how is the you know like the True Church Conference? And one of the things we're trying to do is personalize yeah. missions. And so, has that been a help for you to kind of obviously you were already interested in it, already you know from former churches doing some things to try to support men that were going to the mission field. Has it helped you to be even more involved oh, yeah. and personalize it even more through, you know, all these missionaries coming in, I guess, some of them preaching, some of them sharing yeah. testimonies. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed here, you know, the missionaries that come in because they're 
being taught the same doctrine we are, and they believe in it too, and they're teaching it. Right. And what impressed me about the mission field here too is the way you're going about it by going to different countries, getting missionaries already accustomed to living there and accustomed to the culture and, uh, you know, the wages and the, the pay scale there and all, where you just get more for your money. Yep. And two, they're worth more because they can speak the language when they go there and yes. know the custom to it and all that. Right, and, yeah, amen. So that really... You know, that's a lot a plus, too. So in addition, obviously, you, you've served in True Church Conference. Who, whose small group class are you currently in, Mr. Kenneth? Right now, John Vance is teaching. All right. So, so you're in that oldest, kind of that yeah, oldest men's right. class, Dallas right? What, what, what's that like? Tell me a little bit about that. I, I know everyone I talk to that's in those kind of those oldest classes there, they, they normally are, are, are so thankful for just yeah. the, the brothers and sisters that are in those classes and how they care for one another. So t- tell me a little bit about your experience in that small group. Well, class. you know, people just get closer together in there. Of course, like I said, I already knew Clifford from work. I'd worked with him right. nearly 20 years at, Hunt, at uh, plant. Cl- uh, Clifford and Dub and different ones. Around, and So I already knew them. I got acquainted with Gene Hancock. But all our teachers that we've had have been just good teachers. They put some time in it. Of course, church has a lesson where they te- you know, instruct teachers in teaching, and that helps some, too. Sure. I really like that. But uh, people care about each other in there, and they kind of see after each other. In different- I mean, that, that's kind of, I guess, what I, I was interested in hearing some about. Obviously, one of our things that we want to do in a small group is to provide fellowship to meet individual needs. And, you know, you're, you're in a class a lot of times where there's there's a number of needs that are there well, for for one reason or another. So like it's, me, it's older people, so they get, there's more needs. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. So, it's a, uh, so you know, how, how do you guys organize that in that class? Because it seems like our, our older classes do a good job of really organizing how they're going to minister to one another. So how, how do you guys pull well, that Well, we've, we've got group leaders okay. over like several men that'll, that'll be under us we call time to time I'm not a group leader this time but I was for a while and you just call them and see what their needs are and then you bring discuss their needs in class and you take care of some of it yourself if you can and visit them if you can some right. you know so how, so how many men are in that class regularly? Right now there's eight or nine. Okay. Average. All right. Gotcha. Now, just before they kind of split back up again, they combined two older men's classes. Okay. The oldest men's class, and I was in the one before that. Okay. Dallas Morton had it, and then right. he just went teaching the older men, too. And uh, we would have had 18, 20 men in wow. there. Wow. Yeah. That was a big group then. Yeah, that was bigger class. And yeah. Wow. So. Uh, well, so, so, so tell me just what. Give me two or three, two or three things that that really have made the biggest impact on your life during your time, twenty or so years here at Grace Life. What what, what does the Lord use the most to really grow you in your walk with Him, to, to really push your discipleship further towards Christ? The preaching of His Word. Okay, that's that's it. Yeah. Since then, I read I read the Bible more regular than I ever had. Amen. In fact, I go through the Bible. Every year, and now for years, every year now. Yeah. 
Amen. So, so the preaching of God's word has really been the central right. figure as far as you know what God has used to disciple. It's just you like Brother Jeff preaches. He's he's what we're here for. He's the most important Amen. thing. No, it's Amen. not about us. It's about him. Right. Yeah. And, Amen. Well, I, I would say Kenneth, really, just from listening to your testimony, that that you know God's used the preaching of the word from a very young age yeah. in your life, you know, whether it was when you were six, seven years old and the, and the Spirit of the Lord began to convict you and you began to ask your mom, hey, how do I, how do I, how do I be saved? You know, what, yeah. what was it? to the time when you were, I think it was 14, 15, when you first heard the doctrines yeah. of grace being preached there in a tent meeting here in the area until now at 83. Still yeah. the preaching of God's Word is what God is using to, to well, work that, in your life the most. That tent meeting is what's set the pattern for that part of it. Because it just sprung, you know, just stood out, just jumped off page at me. I, I didn't have any problem understanding it. Well, a 14-year-old boy understands it, or anybody or <laughs> uh, yeah. But I realize now, too, I didn't realize it hardly as much time, but the Lord's got to lead you in things like that, too. Yeah, amen, amen. He, you know, he feeds you as you can take it in. Yes, sir. But... I don't know why he showed it to me that early, but he right. did. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful he did. Well, I right. am too. So, yeah. Amen. It, it really yeah. sets the stage for a, a life of, of living for the Lord and now, for God's glory. Can't say I hadn't failed him at times, but he's always been there for me. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. I know when I do fail him, i got to get back. Yeah. Amen. Well, Kenneth, I just want to thank you for sharing with us a little bit about your Grace Life story. Appreciate you coming in and hanging out with us today. And uh, again, another example of how the preaching of God's Word uh, is used by God's Spirit to work in our lives, whether it's your 7 or your 15 or your 83. The Word of the Lord never quits working in us, never quits drawing us closer to Him. And so thank you for joining us for another episode. Appreciate all y'all, all the staff here, the elders and deacons. and I've got confidence in y'all of them. Yeah. Never had any reason not to have a conference. I'm happy here. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Appreciate your faithfulness through the years here at Grace Life. All right? All right. Thank you for listening with us again today and joining us for another My Grace Life Story episode. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story. As members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.